What is going on you guys and welcome back to another video. If you're new to the channel here, my name is Brandon. As always, we do have our Investing Academy as that first link down below. You should definitely go check it out. But today I am so excited to talk about today's video topic. It's the topic of why I personally choose to invest in individual stocks rather than doing an indexing passive ETF approach to my portfolio. And this is a comment that I get from you guys so, so often is that Brandon, why don't you just buy the index? Why are you picking all these individual stocks when all of the data suggests otherwise and that your odds are so much slimmer by picking individual stocks? I did that video on my TFSA, like basically recapping my entire TFSA as I've started building it up and a lot of the holdings were down. And I noticed specifically, specifically on that video that these questions really started to, to brew up. And let me just start by saying it is an amazing question. Like literally asking that question is such like, it's a very, very valid question. And that's why I want to dedicate a video to this. And I will just say to start things off, like I'm sharing with you guys what I personally do, right? For me, for Brandon, for my personal strategy, why I do what I do, I'm in no way trying to entice you or sway you into one way is better, this or that. I'm just gonna share with you the justification as to why this is a strategy that works for me. And just to kind of set the stage and be very, very clear, I love index investing. Like I love ETF investing. I think it is by far and wide, probably the best way to invest for the vast majority of people out there. And probably for a lot of people watching this group, I mean, watching this video, ETF investing all the way, like that is absolutely the case. And I'd be genuinely curious before we get really into the, the meat and potatoes of this video, maybe do leave a comment down below. Like, what do you personally do? I'm legitimately genuinely curious. Are you an index investor? Are you a stock investor? Are you a mix of both? Because I totally see both sides and like I promote ETF investing. I know I don't talk about it that much. Like you always see me talk about individual stock picks and what I'm buying this or that, because again, that's what I like to do, but I have nothing against index investing. In fact, for most of you guys out there, I think it is the most suitable, suitable way to invest over the years. Like I've been investing for over a decade now, like my history is I started off with mutual funds. So not even ETFs. Like I literally invested in mutual funds as a young, young kid. I transitioned over to ETFs and an index in, index investing portfolio and Basically, if you looked at kind of how I invest today, it is entirely stocks with the odd ETF here and there, right? I'll maybe throw an ETF for some kind of specific exposure, but I've kind of gone through that whole transition and I'm at a point where I prefer individual stocks and I want to talk about that today. And um, first things first, I want to talk about this narrative. This is a really important topic point of this video. We've all heard this statistic that 80 to 90% of active investors, right? People who are buying and selling and managing a portfolio and kind of finessing, 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 80 to 90% of these investors fail to beat the benchmark, right? You're better off just buying a passive investment, taking the market return and just not tinkering with things and just letting, letting your stuff be, right? We've all heard that. If you haven't heard that by now, it's a very, very widely known thing. I believe that that statement actually gets taken out of context a little bit. Maybe not a little bit, maybe a lot. And this is just my opinion, so you don't have to agree or disagree. But my interpretation on that statement is that if you actually look at what the, the statistics say, and again, I could be wrong, but this is just what I'm thinking about it. When you actually look at that statement, I believe it is talking about actively managed funds, right? Institutions. So if you looked at that stat and it said, 80 to 90% of actively managed funds fail to beat the benchmark, fail to beat the index. I totally agree with that statement. Like I totally, totally say that's true. Like the statistics are the statistics. 
in many cases, you can go out and buy a mutual fund or a hedge fund or whatever the case is, some sort of managed product, and 80 to 90% of the time, they will fail to beat the index. Now, don't twist that statement and say that 80 to 90% of investors, like people like you and I, you know, a retail investor, an average person that goes out and actively buys and sells stocks or builds a portfolio of individual stocks, falls into that 80 to 90%. Now, maybe it is, right? I don't know the numbers on that. And it very well could be because I think a lot of people make very poor decisions with their stocks. So it could be. But the key difference in that statement is that funds tend to outperform, I mean, underperform, excuse me, the index. And there's a couple of key variables why that is the case. And I'll give you just like, well, there's two that I would kind of want to talk about, but two quite obvious ones. And if we took just the average like MER or the average fee of a mutual fund, so the management expense ratio, I'm just gonna run with something like 2.5%, right? Go out and check your Fidelity funds or your McKenzie funds, or your Royal Bank funds, whatever it is. Very good likelihood that you're paying anywhere between two to 2.5% each and every year, simply in fees for having that actively managed product. Now, what's very fascinating about that is that if that said mutual fund, like let's just say in a calendar year, like we just take a random calendar year, if that mutual fund performed, it had a 10% gain, and then the benchmark had, let's say a 10% gain, so equal, so a wash, so they both did really well, they both posted 10% gain, all is good. When you factor in the net return, like if you actually subtract out that 2.5% fee, which is what we would experience as investors or what the fund would experience, whenever you look at fund data online, by the way, on any of these big you know, publications or on their websites, like legally they have to show the net return, not the gross return. So basically factoring out fees. Well, if you took that 10% return, which in theory performance wise matched the market, subtract 2.5%, you're sitting at a 7.5% net return versus the benchmark, right? So due to that fee alone, and again, let's multiply this by like thousands and thousands of funds out there, right? Because there are literally so many different funds to choose from, so many actively managed funds that all have these fees embedded they are at a significant disadvantage right off the bat. Like literally when the calendar year takes over, they're essentially starting in the hole of about two to 2.5%, meaning they have to outperform the index at least by that to even have a wash and then more like to exceed that, right? In theory, let's assume the fund performed like 11%. So it actually outperformed the index like 11.5% or, or 12%. The index performed 10% when you factor in that fee the mutual fund or the actively managed product actually underperformed. So that's point number one, is that a lot of these funds that have these embedded fees are at a disadvantage and they start in a hole. So that kind of contributes to why so many of these funds do fail, especially over long periods of time. Very hard to kind of do that, even if they were able to match the performance. A second thing to consider with this statement, again, taking it for what it is, talking about like institutions and funds that are failing to beat the benchmark, Although a lot of these mutual fund companies and actively managed products or funds are basically somebody managing an account that is like being active in the account, although they often say they are here to generate long-term wealth, like, hey, this is a long-term fund. We're going to grow your wealth over the long haul. I'm a hedge fund. Invest in me and we're going to like do generational wealth, whatever the case is. If you actually look at the actions from a lot of these funds, like how they are managing the portfolio, they make a lot of short-term based moves that are actually very counterproductive to the long-term growth of, a, of an account. 
And I know that's kind of hard to believe, but like, trust me, it's true. And again, when I first got into the industry, I was in mutual funds and I spoke with many of the mutual fund reps here and we used to sell mutual funds. Like for my initial clients, we did mutual funds and that was how it was. So I've basically seen the industry and nothing's really changed over the years, but these funds, it is a very competitive landscape, right? Whether you're Fidelity, whether you're McKenzie, whether you're TD, whatever it is, like, catch my breath for a second. Regardless of which fund it is, they are all basically fighting to attract your money. And they absolutely have these like shorter term incentives to be in these top percentiles and to basically do very well on a quarter by quarter basis, on a year by year basis, which is so opposite of how you should be managing money if you're actually trying to build wealth over the long term. Like it is a legitimate thing that these funds will essentially strive for shorter term gains to be the top in their percentile to attract more money in. They'll wanna be this top fund of the month, top fund of the year, top fund of the quarter, and basically have like, although their mandate is long-term wealth, their actions don't necessarily do like depict that. It's actually the opposite. And the same would go for like, literally if, if there's a hedge fund or let's assume you have somebody managing your money for you, like for, big, for a big group of investors. And like, there are literally times where and the investors will ask if it's one of these funds where you can like, let's say it's a close, like let's say it's a fund where you can ask the fund manager what to do and like question them and stuff. Like it is very, very, it is not rare that people will say like, why aren't we investing in this? Like, why don't we have exposure to Tesla right now? Or why don't we have, or why are we holding these many bonds? Or why do we have this much cash? Like basically like probing them, like why are we doing this? Or why aren't we in this? Or why aren't we in this sector, right? And those pressures, again, they're all in the most, in the most part, like short-term, like motivated things that does actually have an impact on how these actively managed funds operate. And that alone, again, I think is a thing that basically doesn't line up with the idea of trying to actually beat a, a benchmark or an index over the long term. And those are basically two reasons to me why when you look at that 80 to 90% of actively managed funds fail to beat the index, I can totally see why. Now, for an investor like you and I, who doesn't have a 2.5% fee embedded and we can invest however we like. Like we can literally just go out and either buy an index or go out and buy individual stocks. We don't have those disadvantages. In fact, we have a lot more flexibility. We don't have mandates to follow. We don't have guidelines in terms of how we have to invest or maxes or minimums we can put in. Like we have full, full control over our money. And I really do believe that and again, the numbers could still be that a retail investor, you know, 80 to 90% of the time would probably be better off doing a passive investing strategy, if you guys get what I'm saying, because people just don't know how to invest or they are not good at it. But just like conceptually, I don't like the fact when I see other YouTubers saying 80, 90% of people do this, so you have to buy an index, you're screwed otherwise. I think that's actually taking that, that quote and just kind of stretching it, right? But let's take a moment and transition on here into some of the reasons why I personally choose to be an individual stock investor, why this works for me, and why over the years I've kind of evolved into a strategy like this, okay? And this is literally just for me. By the way, if you, if you haven't already left a thumbs up on this video, please do leave a thumbs up, subscribe. And if you want investing uh, training on investing like stock market, personal finance, everything, it's $19.99 a month to check out our academy. I'd highly encourage you to do that. But um, point number one, why I choose to invest in individual stocks is that I legitimately enjoy being an individual stock investor. Like there's something about it. And this has always been the case. Like from the first time I bought my first stock to today, like going forward, I don't see this ever changing. There is something about like owning a little stake in a 
multi-billion dollar business or a trillion dollar business that is out there and functioning and I shop at and I support, like there's something about that that just kind of resonates with me to the point where I'm like, I like this. Like I like going to Starbucks, not so much Starbucks, but like that's just an example. I like going to Starbucks, drinking some of the drink and being like, hey, I own stake in this company or Nike, right? You buy a pair of shoes, it just feels cool. You go see the stores you, you support, you shop at. Like that in and of itself is such a big weighing factor to me as to why I choose this versus if I just did individual stocks and I just put my money in every month and I had a pack or like automatic contribution, and I just never looked at it. It definitely wouldn't be the same. Like, hey, maybe we make more money from a stats number, but like it just, I wouldn't enjoy it. And I wouldn't like have fun. I'd still probably have fun, but I wouldn't have as much fun of monitoring the markets and monitoring my portfolio and researching stocks. Like I genuinely enjoy that, which is reason number one as to why I do this. Right? I'm going to do things that I want. Investing should be things like you should do investing the way you want to, not just because someone else said it, not because of this. Like, what do you enjoy? I enjoy buying stocks. I literally love looking at my portfolio and having all the holdings. That's super, super fun to me. Number two is that when you do invest in individual stocks, it at least gives you the opportunity. And this always goes without saying, but it gives you the opportunity to outperform. It gives you the chance to outperform the average or outperform the index, like one of your stocks or five of your stocks or 10 of your stocks you at least are opening that door to having a stock do very, very well for you. And I'm not even talking here like, you know, a thousand X or buy the speculative penny stocks that's gonna make you like a billionaire or a millionaire. That's not my strategy. For the most part, I buy stocks that are gonna do very much similar to the index, but there are absolutely stocks that I have had, that I've bought so far and stocks that I will buy into the future that will significantly outperform the market. And something about that, having that option there is like, I like that. Like that is something that just is, it, it's there. And if I was going to just buy the index, well, I'll tell you, you have no, there's no chance of you going out and outperforming the index. You are literally going to be buying the index. You're going to be buying the good stocks. You're going to be buying bad stocks. You're going to take the average return, which again is very, very okay. And very, very suitable for a lot of people. But for me, I like the, I like the idea of having some stocks throughout my lifetime that are going to do very, very well for me. I just honestly like that. Point number three is that when you own a portfolio of individual stocks, the flexibility that you have when managing your portfolio, if you are at a position where you a want to do this, or you have, let's say the skills or knowledge or experience to do this, you have so much more control over what you do with your holdings rather than just having one fund or maybe two or three funds. And that's all where your money is. You have a lot of flexibility to say, should I be drawing? Like, let's assume you need to take money out. A good example for me, I was like, I just need to take money out for taxes, which sucks. Like I just miscalculated my taxes. I need to take some money out of my taxes rather than just saying, oh, I'm going to sell off a chunk of my index funds, no matter how well they're doing or how poorly they're doing. Like you have one investment that's doing whatever the market's doing. I can literally look at all my holdings and I can say, well, this is where I want to draw from. This is where I want to draw from. This is where I want to draw from. Just a few months ago, we detailed this during our um, portfolio building series for you or the portfolio building challenge we did some tax loss harvesting in our Questrade portfolio or the Questrade margin account, excuse me. And you, you you can still tax loss harvest, don't get me wrong. You can still do tax loss harvesting when you're doing ETFs and whatnot, but just having more options, if you are able to do it and if you care to do it, it absolutely opens more doors for you. And again, it's just as simple as that. Again, maybe, maybe it's something that you don't care to do, but for me personally, I like kind of having that selection of options deciding whether I want to take from this stock, from this stock, from this stock. Again, maybe something that you'll never have to do or care to do, but it definitely comes up. Like there are definitely opportunities to do that. And that's exactly it. Um, number four, this will be our final one that I have noted down here for today's video is that 
And this is not like a jab on index funds. Like this is literally just, I'm not trying to bash index funds. I'm just saying it for how it is. When you go out and buy an index fund, let's just take the S&P 500 or the TSA, let's take the S&P 500. You have no say on how your money gets invested. Obviously you can pick the different funds, but you have zero control as to how your dollar, when you go and buy a dollar of an index fund, how that dollar gets distributed, it is literally based on how the fund is structured and how the benchmark is structured, or how the index, excuse me, is structured, that it's tracking. Your dollar gets redistributed like how the index fund is built, right? And again, history has shown that over the past number of years, 100 plus years, whatever the case is, it's going to do quite well. And you're going to earn a seven, eight, nine, 10% rate, whatever you feel is the appropriate number to look at there. And again, that's such a good way of doing it. But in the case, like right now, if you look at the S&P and you actually look at the breakdown, I haven't seen up-to-date numbers, but something like 25 or 30% of the, the S&P. So literally like big, big weighting of the S&P 500, maybe even more now that Tesla's kind of up there and really, you know, getting into that kind of top five or top six spot. Basically the bulk of your money, not the bulk, but like 20, 35%, a very healthy chunk is being allocated to your FANG stocks, to your Microsofts, to your Teslas, to whatever the case is, that's really top heavy weighted. And you have no say about like where your money goes, right? Again, the numbers do suggest you're gonna do fine doing this type of strategy. But if you feel, for example, the market is like overvalued, let's assume you felt for whatever reason that Apple, Microsoft, um, Google, Netflix, well, Netflix now, maybe not, but let's assume you looked at all these other stocks and you said, well, I believe these stocks are actually grossly overvalued. Like, I think that they're trading at a premium. They've done really, really well. I don't necessarily want to be buying at these stocks at these levels. I think there's a lot of opportunities maybe in other areas of the market or in other areas of the index. Like if you look down at the bottom percentage of this index, you'll literally find stocks that make up like 0.000 something percent, like meaningless. Well, when you put your dollar or dollars or $100,000 or, or million dollars into this index fund, you are putting the bulk of your money into these, I'm not going to say overvalued stocks, but the nature of an index fund is that as stocks perform well, and as they get more expensive, maybe they're doing better and better, but as they get more expensive, they represent a bigger and bigger portion of the index. Conversely, as stocks do poorer and poorer and maybe representing more value or an opportunity, again, just the way that I like to look at stocks, the lower and lower they drop and the cheaper and cheaper they get, the less of your money that gets allocated to these holdings, right? So to me, it's a backwards system. And again, like I'm not here to bash index fund investing because this strategy clearly works. But for me, for someone who stays on top of the market, for someone who like legitimately enjoys doing this on a day by day basis, like I wake up and I check my stocks. I don't check my stocks. I check my watch list, excuse me, to see kind of what these are doing. Like I literally enjoy this. I prefer to say, well, where are these pockets of opportunity that I want to go in and invest in? Or what are the stocks that I want to avoid right now? Well, being an individual stock investor gives me that flexibility. And basically to kind of wrap up this video and kind of just get like summarize, at the end of the day, like if somebody tells you that you have to be doing one style, like you have to be an index investor because individual stocks are stupid or vice versa, that person is stupid. Like whoever's telling you that doesn't get the full picture because there is no right or wrong. Like there's no literal one has to be this way, has to be this way. It really depends on each person's circumstances. 
And again, take someone for like myself who has been investing for like literally over a decade. I've been investing since I was like 10 or 11 years old. And I went through that natural progression. I've learned, I've gained experience. I do this literally day in and day out. This is what suits me. Like I enjoy monitoring a portfolio. I enjoy doing my research. Like I enjoy putting these videos together for you guys, which is why for me, having a portfolio of individually built up stocks makes a ton of, ton of sense. If you are somebody who A is, let's say very, very new, like let's say A, you're literally a first time investor and you're like, well, what do I do? I wanna grow my money. I have plans to retire. I have plans for this. I want my money to grow for me, but I have no knowledge of picking stocks. I don't even know how to go find a good stock. I don't even know how to research a stock. What, what the heck is a stock? Well then of course, index investing is the way to go. Maybe you're somebody that actually has the knowledge to do so, but you don't have the time or the care or the interest to manage a portfolio. And maybe you're busy with work or family, whatever it is. Well, index investing is the way to go. Even if you're an investor who like, who, what I find is a very, very good um, candidate for index fund investors is like, if you're somebody that has very strict plans, like let's assume you have like, you've projected out and you wanna do like, kind of like a fire movement type thing, or you're like, I wanna retire early, I wanna do this. I wanna maximize my money and save every dollar, not every dollar, but like be very strict, be very stingy, not stingy. Sorry, I was, I'm picking all these words up, but like, I have these goals of like doing something, just taking that average return and just being like mediocre, which is a good thing. Like, I don't say that in a bad way. One of the videos I did back then, I was like, what, one of my favorite quotes in the stock market is like a great investor is somebody that can be mediocre or be average year after year after year after year. So it's not a bad thing that I say that, but like, if that's a plan for you where you are going to be very, very disciplined to a plan, I would just say that take the average, be an index investor set it and forget it, put your money in, don't ever look at it because that's the most like easy, not easy way, but it's like, you're not taking on the risk of having certain stocks plummet and blowing up your portfolio. You can like comfortably say, this is going to get me to my goals. I'm going to accept the return. And that's great for me personally, a 27 year old, like I just turned 27, like literally last week. So still in the big scheme of things, like, I feel like that's getting pretty old now, but and the big scheme of things, we consider that young, like 20s, early 30s, like that's still a young investor at the end of the day. I'm very comfortable with taking on risk. Like if some of my stocks blow up or if something like th this is completely fine to me, I could totally understand that. I absolutely could go and just take a passive route and say, this is going to be the most secure way of getting me there. But for someone like myself, a little bit more of a risk taker, somebody who is in a position to do so. I love the opportunity of possibly making more. I love having more control. All the things that I talked about today just lean me towards being an individual stock investor. And returns wise, I'll finish off the topic with this because I think this is really a the valuable thing. A lot of people just tend to think, and maybe this is you, that's fine. If you're just a strictly numbers person, you're just strictly like, what am I going to get the best return for? For me, what is gonna make me the most dollars? For most people out there, Maybe you don't want to tool around with individual stocks. Maybe you don't want to mess around and, you know, have some losing positions or underperform the market. Maybe you just want to take what the market's going to give you, be a passive index investor. And that will, I'm not, I don't like using the word guarantee, but you guys get what I'm saying. Like that will almost guarantee you, assuming markets continue doing well, the safest way of getting there, right? This, the highest return if you're not willing to like take those risks. But for me, it's not so much about oh, I'm an individual stock investor so that I'm going to grossly outperform the market. Like that's actually a misconception. If you think that just because I'm in individual stocks, I think I'm in that 10% that's like, I'm going to outperform the market. I'm way better. I'm the next Warren Buffett. That's not why I'm an individual stock investor. 
honestly, it comes down to my first point, which I talked about in this video, which was I legitimately enjoy being a individual stock investor. Now, if the math was going to suggest that I'm going to end up losing a bunch of money and I'm going to like significantly underperform the market, then I wouldn't do that. But I don't believe that's the case. And even for someone like myself, if I just got like a market return or something in the ballpark of what the market in, like returned over the years, but I did it via uh, individual stock investing, that is a trade-off that I, I mean, that's not really a trade-off because it'd be the same, but that is a route that I would much rather go for my personal circumstance. Now, there is the possibility that I significantly overturn. There's the possibility that I underperform, but keep in mind, like, for me, I say this time and time again in the videos, you need to find what investing strategy like you enjoy and what investing strategy is going to be good for you long-term. I could go out and buy index funds and just kind of be bored with it and not bored with it. Like I don't want to like downplay it. Index funds are great. It's awesome to do that. But um, for me, I just, it just, it just is, that's how it is. And like, do keep in mind, like for a lot of people, this is another really good one too is that for a lot of people, their stock portfolios like are literally their, their nest egg. Like this is literally their, their ticket to retirement, right? And maybe you receive inheritance or maybe you've just been a great saver over the years and you've got X amount of money build up in your stock portfolio and this is what you're gonna legitimately live off of. Well, if you're not at a point where you feel comfortable managing that yourself, you probably wanna go put that into index funds. You probably wanna put that into ETFs because again, that's just gonna get you there. But for my personal circumstance, like my stock market portfolio is not the only retirement vehicle for me. Like, again, this is just me. This may be very different for you, but I've got money in real estate. In fact, based on like my market and where I live here in Vancouver, I have significantly more money in real estate than I do in stocks right now. And that's, I don't want that to be the case. I wish it was more, but just, that's just not how it is. Like I have significantly more money in the real estate market, two properties. Those are going to grow for me over the years. I have my business here, which honestly, for me, my, my golden goose, my ticket out of here, you know, to the promised land, um, is this business like what you're watching right here. This is just a part of the business, but, um, which is also the investing Academy the platform that we're building. Like this to me is my retirement plan is growing this to like, I don't know, well, topic for another video, but, um, like I have goals of literally growing this to a hundred plus million dollar business down the road. You call me crazy, but we'll see how it goes. That's my ticket out. And the retirement, the stock market aspect is just one piece of that puzzle, right? Hence why for me, it's like fun. I enjoy it. The returns, I strongly do believe that they will be competitive, whether it's a bit above at the market average or a bit below. That's not necessarily like for me. Again, I keep saying for me, but this is literally for me. Like I'm not telling you guys what to do. I'm just sharing with you guys my perspective. It's just one piece of that bigger puzzle, right? And I hope that this video was basically uh, maybe insightful because I get this comment all the time and I was really excited to talk about it. Um, I'm extremely, extremely hot right now, but I am very glad that I took the time to talk about this because I don't think I have ever talked about this on the channel and I'm seeing more and more comments, especially as the market has gone down. Like that's, that's when they're all popping up is like, why don't you do that? And I hope that this was able to clear things up. Again, there's nothing wrong with index investing. I support index investing. If you go through our academy course, like if you go through our beginner course, the go-to method, what you need to learn first is an index investing portfolio and building a model or building a portfolio of index investing. That is how you literally, that is what most people should do. And then you move on into individual stocks, whether that's an integration of individual stocks or fully individual, individual stocks, that's totally up to you. But I full heartedly support that type of investing. So I don't want you guys to get it twisted that it's like, he hates index investing. He never talks about index funds. He only talks about stock market, like individual stocks. 
I talk about individual stocks because I buy individual stocks, but I can definitely put more ETF content up for you guys. In fact, I got some fun videos just on my little like topics of videos to cover. That is um, just ETFs, more stuff like that. And I'll absolutely bring more content for you because I, I am like, I know you guys love it in ETF investing. And again, like I said earlier, if you're still sticking around, first of all, give this video a big thumbs up. If you appreciate me sharing my thoughts, that really, really does help out. And secondly, leave a comment down below. Like, do you do individual stocks? Do you do ETFs? Do you do a combination of both? I have a good feeling that, I have a good feeling that's gonna be a mix. Like I'd say probably like a 50-50 mix. ETF investors, individual stocks, or maybe some people with a hybrid of both. But that is it for my video today, guys. I really hope you enjoyed. If you did, make sure you're subscribed. Like hit that subscribe button, hit the bell for notifications. We post videos every single week, um, all the time. And of course, if you are looking for courses and training, I say it every video, but um, like it's there. The Investing Academy is literally a platform that we are building that has so much content and training for you guys for a rate that is just bonkers. It's $19.99 a month. We have partnered up with so many cool contributors uh, so far and more coming down the pipeline to just put all of this training, like all of this type of financial training, not just stock market, but other stuff too, all in one central hub, a place where people can mingle, chat, learn from each other, see what other people are buying, talk about portfolios, get your questions answered. Like it is going to be huge. It is gonna be crazy. It's already amazing. And it's literally $19.99 a month. It is the Investing Academy that is that first link down in the description below. But I really hope to see some of you guys in there if you do wanna learn more. Or if not, we're gonna keep posting so much content out here for you guys. Like free content like this, I really hope you guys enjoy it. I really hope you guys are benefiting from it. And if you are, again, the best way to show your support is by just leaving a big thumbs up. But hey, don't hesitate to leave your thoughts. I really hope you guys enjoyed. And uh, thank you for watching. I'll see you in the next video.